comfortable, but, it, but you need to stop doing those in order to be closer to me. Or, or it doesn't say simplify your life. Get rid, it says deny yourself, your substance, your, your very center of your being, who you are as a person. Deny your self-promotion, deny your self-ambition. This, this harkens back and reminds me of, of the very beginning of the book again, where Jesus came on the scene saying, repent and believe the good news, the gospel. And we looked in at close and have rehearsed this word over and over again of repentance. And repent literally means to turn from one thing and turn to something else, to turn from going this way and go this way. And we've used terms like turn from your old understanding of the kingdom, your old ambitions, your own expectations, your own or old commitments, and turn to the things of God and latch onto his commitments and his ambitions and his promotion for you. What he wants in your life, turn towards those things, own those things, don't own this thing. Deny yourself. Not, not give up something once in a while. Deny yourself. That, that's a Big statement. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. And then it says, and take up his cross. And we live in a world that's post-resurrection, right? So, so we look back at the Bible and always view it through knowing the whole story. We know what the cross symbolized. We know the horrible death Jesus died on a cross. But in that cross, we see victory because we know the whole story. And we see that as Jesus' cross. And we look back in time and know what that means, and it's profound, and it's deep, and it's meaningful. But, but the people Jesus was interacting to, Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. He, he hadn't even gotten to Jerusalem yet. None of that had happened. And Jesus says, take up your cross. And that's a world that we don't understand you see, when I think we look at the crucifixion of Jesus, we see that as this, this very rare thing. Crucifixions didn't happen that often. And there was this one day that was horrible when Jesus and, and two thieves were crucified on Golgotha. Right? And we see that as this very unique time. And it was for the significance because it was Jesus, but crucifixions were pretty commonplace in the Roman Empire. They had, they had learned this horrible, despicable execution method from the Greeks, and they took it to its full tilt. Crucifixion was a horrible way to execute someone, and the Romans did it to demonstrate their power. This is our kingdom. This is our empire. You happen to live here. If you don't watch out, you will end up like these people. And so crucifixion was an opportunity for to demonstrate who's in charge and who is not. And so crucifixions took place all over the place throughout the Roman Empire, in very public areas that people couldn't help but walk by. So chances are Mark's audience and the people Jesus interacted with here had all seen a crucifixion. Many of them probably knew somebody who had been crucified. And so when Mark says, take up your cross, take up this cross beam of an execution stake and follow me, he was saying, are you willing to pick up this cross piece? Are you willing to Chris?" Pick up something and enter into the world of the despised and the rejected and the ridiculed. Our view of the cross is often 
it's a decoration. Yeah, it's a, it's a remembrance, but it's a, it's a decoration. It's a piece of jewelry. It's a it's a medal that's awarded a, a hero in the military. Or, or we use phrases like, well, that's just the cross I bear. Meaning I have a, a physical affliction or I have a relational challenge and I'm just going to have to patiently endure it. That, that, that's not what this is about. This is, this is picking up a cross. This is being willing to enter into the place where people don't understand you just like they didn't understand Jesus. He's saying, if you want to follow me, if you want to come after me, you deny yourself. You, you, you pick up that cross that identifies to people around you that you are despised. As Christ was despised. And then follow me. Follow me in my way. Not in your way. Not in the way you think I'm supposed to act and the things that you think I'm supposed to do. Well, once again, that, that was the problem with Peter and the disciples and all the other people that couldn't grasp Jesus, that didn't understand him, because he was saying things that were completely out of line with everything they ever thought and everything they knew about how God worked. And if they weren't listening carefully, they probably would have heard Jesus say, if anybody wants to come after me, you must deny yourself, yes, pick up your sword and follow me. Yes, I can get behind that because that's a revolution and then things are going to happen that we were always promised. But no, Jesus didn't say that. He says, pick up your cross. Pick up this thing that looks like defeat. Look at this thing that, that is loss and suffering. And bear that. And that's how you gain life. Wow, this is, this is hard stuff. Because it doesn't play out in the way we think about God. Because we have the same traps we fall in disciples did and the, the, at the religious people of those days did. They had a vision of what God was supposed to be like. And those that were called by Jesus' name, those are the people that were God's chosen people, they saw supposed to do certain things. That's what it means to be God and that's what it means for me to be his follower. And, and we think the same things. If, if, I, if I follow Jesus... If I live faithfully, things are supposed to go better for me. Because we always ask questions like, well, what do I get out of this? The disciples thought they would get this incredible earthly glory out of the Messiah being there and being close to them. And, and we go, we're, we're close to God. What do we get out of this? Well, it, it should fix my relationships. But following Jesus should mean I'm more economically stable and that I don't have problems at my job. But following Jesus should mean that things just clear up and it's smooth sailing. And, and we quote things like, Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. What a great thing to latch on to. But, but remember this picture of what Jesus was actually calling people to be part of. If anyone would come after me, he must deny his very being and his self-promotion and his aspirations that are separate from God. You need to deny that and take up this execution stake and enter into the world and the parade of people that are ridiculed and spit upon for what they think because people don't understand you. And follow me. So this, these, these are tough words. It, it takes a whole different approach to understanding who God is. Once again, Mark is trying to tell us over and over that our, our vision of God and the vision of the kingdom of God needs to be turned upside down into the reality of who Jesus is, which is beyond what we can imagine, but it takes place in ways that are incomprehensible to us, that are easily a stumbling block. 
if I were to summarize kind of these ideas, it's like those who desire to follow Christ must be willing to shift the center of their lives from a concern for self to a reckless abandon to the will of God. Reckless is not a word we use often. A reckless abandon. Gladys, it took reckless abandon for you to say, I don't ever want to go back to the dumps to say, I'm living there with people helping them for 30 years. That's reckless abandon. Saying, God worked for me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get that the way I save my life is by losing it. It doesn't make sense to me. But you've promised it. Do, do, do we grasp on to that every single day? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great pastor and theologian in, in Germany during World War II time who was, who was killed for his faith, once said that when Christ calls someone, he bids him come and die which is a powerful statement that lived out literally for Bonhoeffer. But once again, that doesn't play well for us. Come and die. No, no, no. What do I get out of this? There has to be some benefit to me. And and, and Jesus acknowledges that and says, if you want to gain your life, lose it. He's flipping it on its hair. And we have to ask ourselves every day, what does that look like? What what does it take to, to live that life? Because the reality is, is we too often think of the cross as simply a means to salvation or redemption. Whereas Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The cross represents the truth, and the truth will set us free. And the truth is the way we live. The cross is the shape of the life we live. Just like the cross was the shape of the life Jesus lived. It's not something we just wear around our neck or put on a wall and and admire what Jesus did, but we enter into this life of a cross-shaped life. And we have to ask ourselves that question every day. What does a cross-shaped life look like? What does a cruciform life look like? We also need to ask that about ourselves as a church. What does it mean for Stapleton Fellowship Church to deny itself and take up its cross and follow him? You see, church life is a lot like individual life where we have perceptions of, of what we get out of it as opposed to entering into this cross-shaped life. And and I was a pastor full-time for nearly 25 years and have done interim roles like this several times. And and there are so many times that you get phone calls or you meet with people who kind of come and go from churches, and one of their comments is always, I'm just not being fed. What are you going to offer me? I get phone calls, and I was not very good at the marketing side of church stuff. I would get phone calls from people who would say, so tell me about your church. And I'd say, okay, here's what church is like. And, uh, what do you have for my kids? And I'd tell them, here are the activities and what our teachers do. What do you have for my youth? And say, we do this and we do this. And, and then I would say, you know, I'm a firm believer that when somebody new comes to our church, we, we become a new community. Click. Like, how dare you ask that question? This is about what I get out of it. This is about following Jesus. Denying myself, picking up my cross, and following him means there are things that get added to my life. They're going to tweak my life. They're going to give me some little perks that's going to make it better. I admire Jesus. He was a great teacher. He did amazing things. That's not what this is. If our approach to following Jesus is we get little benefits here and there, Jesus looks at us and says, get behind me, Satan. That's not what a Messiah is. That's not what picking up a cross is. Are you just going to admire what I did or are you going to enter into it and follow me in a cross-shaped life? And it is a life. 
It is a life that is abundant and full and absolutely in line with what Jesus desires for each of us. Remember, he wants us to see. He wants our spiritual blindness to be opened. He wants us to hear and taste and touch and see the goodness of who Jesus really is. He's going to touch us again. What do you see now? I'm starting to see it again, but I really would like something better. No, what do you see now? What does it look like now? It's getting clearer. It's getting more open, and then we fall back. Because we're going to see following this passage, as clear as some of these things become, the disciples still keep committing it wrong. And we can identify with them. Because I miss the point all the time. But I revel and marvel in the fact that God's desire is that we would see. That our spiritual eyes would be open and we would see God for who he really is, not for the way we would design him to be. And that means living a cruciform life that follows the one who died. I find fascinating the very last verse of this passage. But he said to them, I tell you the truth, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. And this is a verse that's baffled a lot of scholars for a long, long time because they think Jesus is pointing to his coming again, a second coming, and saying, well, we know he didn't come that soon and all of the people that were there died. What was that pointing to? And some think it's pointing to the transfiguration. Some think it's pointing to the resurrection. And I think it's pointing to the whole picture. But in reality, he is saying the most powerful way that God exhibits his glory and his majesty and his power is when Jesus dies on a cross. Upside down. And we desperately want to see it say his power exhibited when he came back. His power was exhibited when he died and then rose again. That was the most amazing thing. He changed everything. He put the entire world aright. He put it on the path towards reconciliation and redemption and forgiveness and eternal life. And he did it by what looked like losing. That's power. He says, and you're going to see that. And they saw it. And we know the whole story. My prayer for myself and for each of you and for Stapleton Fellowship Church is that we would better and better understand what that cross-shaped light looks like. That we would understand and be willing to step into the life of Jesus by picking up that execution stake that, that marks us as people who are despised. And in being so, have life, real life full life that is incomprehensible and beyond our imagination. That's the great promise of this passage. It's amazing. This is a tough passage. I I would rather say bearing my cross is all about pointing to Jesus' cross and about wearing a necklace. That's easy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word as hard as it is. And at the same time, it's incredibly hopeful because we know your desire for us is that we would see clearly. That we'd see you in your glory and your majesty and in your amazing love that came to our level to make everything different. 